Hello and welcome to an episode of Everything is Canon, a Cinelens podcast. I'm your host, Steve Duncan. However, you may have found your way here. Thanks so much for tuning in. On this podcast, we invite authors from all genres onto the show to discuss their latest books and novels, as well as just about anything else that comes to mind. If you want to reach me, there are several ways to do so, but the best way is to email me at steve at cinelinks.com, or you can always find me on Twitter at stevedunk5 or at Everything Canon. Today in the show, I'm talking to author Lauren Blackwood all about her debut novel, Within These Wicked Walls, which is described as an Ethiopian-inspired Jane Eyre retelling in which Andromeda, an unlicensed Debtera, is hired to rid a castle of its dangerous curses only to fall in love with the boy whose life hangs in the balance. Those looking for a direct Jane Eyre retelling are probably going to be disappointed, but I highly encourage you to read this incredible thriller from Lauren. Filled with all the horror tropes you could want, a somewhat unconventional romance, a top-to-bottom great cast of characters, and a haunted house you won't soon forget, this is a book you want to read. We talk about Lauren's many passions, playing the violin, she's a professional after all, the insta-love tropes, the Jane Eyre connection to the book, within these wicked walls of course, and much much more. While this is a spoiler-free discussion, the odd minor detail may slip out, so if you haven't read the book and don't wish to be spoiled at all, better stop listening now, but definitely double back once you've read it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. As always, around these parts, we encourage supporting authors and stories that affirm the lives of people other than ourselves. Each time we either engage in a conversation, whether it be online or face-to-face, now that we're doing that again, or each time we participate in the market with our purchasing choices. And just a reminder that October is National Bullying Prevention Awareness Month, so we should all take the approach, if you see something, say something, whether it be online or out in the real world. And while it may be hard, it really could mean the world of difference to somebody who is a victim of bullying. And this should be done all year long, not just because the calendar tells uh, tells you to. Okay, Lauren Blackwood is a Jamaican-American New Yorker living in Virginia who writes romance-heavy fantasy for most ages. When not writing, she's a physical therapist assistant and a violinist, uh, something I actually want to bring up, who really doesn't know how to settle on one career field. She's here today to talk about her debut novel, Within These Wicked Walls, which is described as an Ethiopian-inspired Jane Eyre retelling in which Andromeda, an unlicensed, I'm going to say this wrong, is it Deptera? Uh, Deptera. Deptera, is hired to rid a, a castle of dangerous curses, only to fall in love with the boy whose life hangs in the balance. Please welcome to the show, Lauren Blackwood. Hi, Lauren. Hello, Steve. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm always, it's amazing to me because I am so dumb. I can only do one thing at a time. And you, <laughs> and you have like a full-time job still. Um, violinist, you're now an, you know, about to be a, a published author. Um, what the, like, how do you find the time? When do you write? Uh, well, I had to say violinist because I've been one for my whole life. But right now, there's like no gigs happening because of the pandemic. But I mean, mostly my choice because I'm like, I'm not trying to sit in a, a crowded pit orchestra. Yeah, of course not. Um, during I can't. I want to talk to you about the violin in a second here because I just read a book that fucking knocked my socks off. And Ooh. it is like, it's all about the violin and the history of the violin and like, We'll talk about it anyways. <laughs> so, but how do I find time? Um, <laughs> when do you write? Morning or in the evening? I write like between 1 and 3 a.m. It's like my sweet spot. Nice. Which so. is probably a good time to write a creepy ass story like this. But uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Or, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, So uh, you're, you're in physical therapy. Is that a full-time job? Part-time? Did you go to school for that? I did go to school. Yeah. Um, and uh, right now, you know, it's more part-time. Like yeah. I'm trying n- my best not to be too much outside with people 
are you people averse, like with pandemic or no? Like, how are you with crowds? Because I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I get anxiety around in crowds and, uh, yeah, which, is, which, which is hard because like my favorite things are going to concerts, going to, <laughs> going to conventions and movies. So it's like, I really have to like, I either have to be really high or, uh, just like really talk myself into it. You know what I, I mean? I mean, whatever works, whatever yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, are you, is this just because the pandemic or are you sort of always uncomfortable around crowds? <laughs> It's mostly the pandemic, but yeah, yeah I, yeah. I have like a two hour range, two to three hours where I'm like, okay, I get my, cause I've worked retail before. So I know how to like, you know, switch it on. Like, okay, I'm in public now. Yeah. Um, but that gets tiring. Yeah, of course. Um, do you get like, like, is it, a, is it a, a germ thing? Is it anxiety things? It just like, you just don't like people sort of in your bubble. Like what's. Uh, no, none of the above. I just oh. like, I need my alone time. I'm like getting yeah. drained all yeah. the being around people, you know, that's cool. Nothing against them. No, 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 of course not. Hey, listen, I don't, I'm not having kids. I've made that decision and it's because I'm so, <laughs> it's, it's because I'm selfish. Um, <laughs> right. I don't mind you with, the time, right? with my time. That's right. I don't feel like I have enough time as it is now to do this, to do the stuff I like to do. So I couldn't imagine, um, nothing against kids, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm surrounded by them because, you know, friends and family and stuff, but, uh, yeah. just for me, yeah, I couldn't do it. I don't know how people find the time. Um, I mean, I know how they do it. They just have to give up some of their own shit and you know what? Right. Fuck that. Life's too- <laughs> well, life's- sorry. Life's too short. Um, so, uh, I assume you're passionate. You went to school to be a physical therapist. Um, is that something you would think you all, you're always going to do? Like what, ap- what happens, you know, in a few weeks when within uh, this wicked walls is a New York times bestseller and you're a gigantor author and the offers start rolling in. What I you, mean, what are you going to well, do? My mom said, you don't need a day job. <laughs> you're an author. She, she's already like, you're already an author. Author doesn't come with healthcare though, mom. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, mm, yeah. yeah, I would like healthcare. You know? Yeah. So that's it. Eh? But I mean, you enjoy it. I assume you enjoy it. I, I do enjoy it, but yeah. I'm, it's like mostly about, I like health, helping people. Yep. So I'm like, this is a way I can do it without like gross blood stuff. Cause I'm not into that. Yeah. In, um, but um, I mean, it's writing about it, just not into touching it. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I did start off as a musician. I majored in music in college. So. All right, let's get into that then. Um, so I just, it's a, I interviewed an author and her book's coming out next week. I, uh, next week, uh, Light from Uncommon Stars. Rika Aoki is her name. Yes. She is a violinist uh, trying to, she's like, you know, a self-admitted, she's a piano first, but she's trying to learn to violin. Anyways, have you heard of this book? I have heard of it. Yes. It is. It's all about the violin. There's some other shit going on, some weird shit. Um, <laughs> and it all works. It's going to be like one of my favorite books this year. It's so fucking weird, but it is all about the violin and like the history of it, the appreciation of it, people who play, people who build them, oh people who, people who repair them. And it goes back in time to the, and it talks about like this, you know, the Stradivarius is like all like the Amadas, like the big houses, the big families that used to make yeah, them. Yeah. It talks about, it talks about it in the most sensuous, romantic way. And talks about like, but even it's, it's porn for violin people because it's like, talks about 
like f holes and <laughs> yes. you know like like the part all these parts i learned so much and it looks at it from a player's perspective and a builder's perspective and a uh somebody who sort of like who repairs violins and the history of that and how it's a, how it's very much a family business and how it was very much a patriarchy and how right. it turns it turns out all the like greatest violin makers in the history were actually women but their names were scratched off because it couldn't and they weren't allowed to couldn't have women doing that of course not right because right know, women are awful um, as usual as of course right yeah. <laughs> um anyways <laughs> like I'm telling you, <laughs> if you're into the violin, like I'm not, I just, you know, love a good story, but I, I, I'm telling you, Lauren, if you find some time, please, um, unbelievable. And if you ever, you know, get a chance to meet, uh, Rika, she's just so interesting and, uh, very, very, very cool. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to get my hands on that. It is like, and I'm, and I like, I'm telling you like the detail, uh, and just, I'm a big fan of process and it really digs into the process of not only learning to play, but how mm -hmm. you play and like looks at it. It really, it, from a technical perspective, uh, a, a, a romantic perspective, um, the energy, how it affects the people around you when you play talks about like the dogwood tree, how, you know, they make, there's this famous bow that was made from dogwood and dogwood of course was the, that made the Jesus's cross. Right. Apparently. Mm -hmm. And so then God cursed the dogwood trees forever. So there's this bow made from dogwood and it's cursed. And like, it gets really fucking crazy. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. look, I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> you're like, you had me like 10 minutes ago and you're still going on about <laughs> it. But uh, anyways, uh, light from uncommon stars, uh, I'm telling you, and not, and just anybody out there, because there's some other stuff in the book too, not just violin, but it, but it is mainly primarily about the violin, and, and the the two lead characters um, are violinists, and uh, it's uh it's fucking cool, man. Anyways, check it out, please. Um, so there, yeah, there's no concerts right now. So when's are you hurting to play the violin, or you just done it for so long, you're like like needed a break, or what's I mean, I'm sure people are playing, but I just have no interest in mm. like sitting right next to somebody sharing a stand, you know, yeah. uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I probably should practice a lot more than I do. <laughs> was it, like the, were you professional or? Yeah, I yeah, did. Okay. I was, um, for a while. Um, but yeah. I haven't practiced in a while. Like okay. I'm, I'm being bad right now. It sounds like it. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, we, I guess, yeah. So it's like, it's, listen, it's pretty rare when you find somebody with three passions and it sounds like you've got three passions. Am I wrong or? Three passions, but like, look, there's, is the timing does suffer, you know? Yeah, of, co of course. I yeah. feel like I haven't played my violin in a while and I need to get back to that. Yeah. That's my yeah, first yeah. love. Is but it? I'm okay. like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been playing since the summer of fourth grade. Um, My whole family. Which means nothing to me. That could have been 10 years ago. Like, <laughs> I, don't yeah, even, I have no idea how old you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ages. <laughs> so. So just last week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I graduated early. So that you you were in violin early. Um, was that is that something sort of like you're like you wanted to do? Do you remember like expressing that as a young as young Lauren, or was that your parents sort of pushed you in that direction? Oh no, I wanted to do it. I cool. mean, every we all had to start on the piano, right? 
Yes. Uh, Cause my mom plays the piano. So okay. we all have to start on that. And then, you know, in fifth grade, we got to pick different instruments. They did them in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted the harp, but it was huge and expensive. <laughs> huge. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, let's do violin close enough. Um, so yeah, that's how it happened. So I told this story to Marco Shearer the other day we were talking about sort of like I, le- I took piano when I was a kid and I've been in bands, but not piano guitar and stuff since, but oh, okay. I took, uh, I'm so I, I don't remember how old I was. I was young and uh, f- you know, it's like I was an eighties kid. I probably saw some, I don't know, fucking Def Leppard or somebody, I don't know, somebody shitty playing the piano, too, right? <laughs> like somebody awful, right? Like a synthesizer too, not even yeah. like a piano. And it was probably like one of those guitar pianos, something really bad. But, uh, and you're a kid, you're like, I want to do that. And they, put right. you in, and they put you in piano lessons and then you do scales for three months. Right. And, and I was crying and I didn't want to practice and I quit. And I, of course I regret it. I've, I do know how to read music because of it though. I was very happy about that, but I totally wish I'd have stuck with it. But yeah, it's uh, it was one of those things where it was just, you're a kid and it was work and you don't want to work. You want to just be on MTV or whatever the hell. Right. So Anyways. You know, it's that's funny because I was kind of the opposite. I was oh, yeah, like, yeah. no, hey, listen, all the no, I'm the idiot. <laughs> no, you're smart. Like that's yeah, yeah. No, I'm. If listen, I mean, I'm, we're thankful. I'm thankful. There's people like you and and other people of the world that stuck with these things because you know I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I was in the orchestra, so right. like I was serious about it. I'm like, you got to do scales. I loved it and he hated it. Because you always hate a little bit what you love if you love it too much. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but um, um, what so, music did you play? What, what style of music? So when I was learning to play the, oh, like when I was in bands or when I was learning piano? Uh, when you were in bands. Oh, I grew up like a punk rock kid. So it was, it oh, okay, was, it yeah. was, it was 80s stuff. So it would have been, it was a combination of either punk rock or like, I was in like an Iron Maiden cover band. And, oh, gotcha. uh, like, yeah. So I was, it was a product of that stuff because I grew up listening to uh, punk rock mostly and Motown and R&B. So I was a product of my older brother and my parents because my okay. parents, my parents listened to all they did was listen to R&B and stuff. And my brother older brother listened to like punk rock and heavy metal and stuff but i wasn't so much into heavy metal but so i am and to this day that's pretty much mostly what i listen to is is still punk rock and there's always exceptions but mostly punk rock and still like mostly motown and r&b stuff but uh um as a shitty white kid in toronto you couldn't you know you couldn't find a lot of people that wanted to play Marvin Gaye being a Marvin oh, Gaye band. Yeah, it just wasn't yeah. a, it was understandable. Not a, it was not a thing, right? So uh it was much easier to, to pick up a guitar and play learn three chords. It's punk, right? So right, right. Um, but uh I ended up, but it took me into I ended up being a live sound engineer for bands. I ended up touring. I was a roadie, Ooh. I was a roadie with bands with punk bands. I've been all over like North America and Europe and stuff when I was, I mean, that's I'm 45, that was decades ago now, but uh yeah, it was a big, I was worked for a sound and light company. Like I was kind of supposed to go in that direction, like the technical, you know, like the back of the front of house um, uh, thing with music, you know what I mean? The more production side and stuff, but uh, yeah, just didn't work out. But I also wanted to be marine biologist and you can see. Oh, that, haven't that, we all at one point, <laughs> happen, you know? Either, did. So I learned how to scuba dive though. I thought that's all you need, but no, it turns out you need more. Um, <laughs> so. Darn it. I know, right? Like, why didn't you tell me that? Um, so what was the plan then for violin? 
What was the, what was the goal? What was the end goal? Um, I mean, the end goal was to be a professional. Right. Um, but then like, I was super shy, like more so than I am now. Okay. Um, so being in the spotlight kind of was like, um, pretty paralyzing for me. My stage fright was pretty bad. Like, um, as in, like, like a soloist for sure, but even within like a, a orchestra context too? Uh, it was better within an orchestra, but I like, you know, I had a stomach ache until it was over. Really? And then okay. I'm like, that was awesome. But I'm like, was it though? Because you had stomach cramps the whole time. But um, <laughs> it's killing you. It's literally yeah, killing you. It's yeah, it's like, ah. <laughs> so, but it was a lot of fun. I, I feel like I loved it, but I was, it was just too nerve wracking. So I'm like, mm. oh, let me do theory instead. Because then I don't have to um, perform all the time. Then I can just, you know, do music stuff and and write because, mm-hmm. of course, I was really into writing mm-hmm. back then too. But then I found out, well, it's just scholarly papers. Mm. I'm like, so I can't write a cool nonfiction book about music, but like not use the scholarly lingo and stuff. So I was like, okay, this is not as fun as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Because I, I wanted to write, but I was like, well, this is stale. I don't want to write scholarly papers. So how old were you at this point? Um, 20-ish, I guess. Okay, okay. so 19, young. 20, yeah. Um, and was there like pressure, either external or internal, to like decide quickly? Like what was the, what was the idea? Well, you know, I I felt pressure because it's like, oh, you're in college now. You you can't be undecided for like ever. You yeah. got to decide what you want to do. Yeah. So at first it was a balance between should I do biology or should I do music? And music won out. Mm-hmm. And then I graduated and I'm like, I should have done biology. Because <laughs> <laughs> at least you could get a job. Right, right, <laughs> right. That's right. Um, and you had support though from your parents with your decision, I assume. I mean, if they were, oh, for mus- sure. if yeah, they were yeah. musicians, for I bet they would, yeah. Or maybe not. I mean, it depends what how their experience was, obviously. But uh, um, so, and you were like pretty precocious at the time, or were you pretty like chill? Like, were you just like, yeah, we'll just see how this goes? And or were you like, oh, I gotta should you know like woulda shoulda and you know, were you pretty I mean, chill or? I was pretty chill, but I was also like. Like, can I find a job? I don't yeah. know if I can get a job. Right. So that was pretty stressful. Like right. yeah. being out of control like that. Always. But, I mean, when yeah. they po- when they poll people and they ask, like, what's the most stressful things? It's always money. Right. Yeah. It's like if it's not number one, it's number two, right? Always. Um, because and of course this varies from place to place too, but and I'm sure in the States, healthcare health insurance is up there. Um, but to pay for health insurance, you need money. And if you don't have right. a play, if you don't have a, a job that covers it, obviously. Um, yeah, that's a big stress. That's a lot of stress. Uh, like I'm sure rich people have stresses, but not about money. So it's like different types of stress. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Cause they're probably fucking assholes and they're just like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. most of the time, most of the time, you know, I'm not, I'm not apologizing for that. It's just true. Um, so, all right then. Okay. So, at what point then to talk to me about when you decided to do, to take or however you came into physical therapy then. And was that because you were like, I need to do something that will get me a job? Um, well, partly, but you know, I had 
been bouncing between biology and music anyway in my freshman year. So I was like, I always loved the medical world anyway. So I was mm. like, you know, I need a job that would give me money, but also like let me help people, but also not be gross. Um, and then I can always do music on the side. Is what mm -hmm. I was thinking. Great. Okay. Because I played um, on the weekends anyways. So right. I was like, you know, I can always do music on the side. So I went to school for physical therapy and it was not fun, but um, I liked the, the subjects, you know, mm -hmm. I like the content. It was just very difficult. Right. School. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I graduated. So that's got to mean something <laughs> absolutely it does absolutely it does congratulations it's uh, you're right you. it's, it's not it's not easy it's fucking hard and then you've just got all the others and now you've got all this other stuff going on around you too so yeah um, my book right so now you've got okay so you this is so this is we've established you know this whole timeline so now this whole time you also secretly want to be a writer <laughs> or maybe not secretly but you know uh, this yeah, is always sort, sort of, of like secretly okay so this is sort of like hanging around you it's like it's like an itch you can't scratch i assume right like i just you can't shake it is that is that the right way to describe oh it? yeah from yeah. like middle school Mid I okay was writing novels. that's right somebody was we were talking about this the other day and like somebody's like oh you know i've been writing since i was in grade school short just short stories of course i'm like well of course i'm like imagine like a, a little kid hands you 120,000 words <laughs> you'd, be like, <laughs> you'd be like you're gonna be a serial killer i'm sorry you're just you're something too, like that yeah. um so w at what point did it click where you you either thought this could be a career for me, or I don't know if it's a career, but I'm going to just try it anyways. Writing I'm talking about now. Um, well, I started um, writing seriously in college. So like I, I wrote in middle school, but I don't think I was thinking about agents or anything. I was just thinking, oh, hey, if I had a book, that would be awesome. But I didn't think about the process of it. You know? No, of course not. No. Well, why would um, you? Yeah, you shouldn't. You wouldn't be able to. Hopefully, I don't know. Maybe some. Uh, like I don't know. Genius. I don't remember that far back. Right. But, <laughs> but um, yeah. In college, I started writing like I could actually be a published author, and that would be cool. Yeah. Um, but um, it sort of got delayed a little bit, like ten years. Yep. Um, because school and dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff and i was doing a lot of music at the time so uh, yeah i was trying to put all my energy into something you know versus trying to spread myself too thin right so i was always writing but i didn't get really serious until i did like a mentorship mm, right. um it wasn't um pitch wars it was a different one for marginalized writers which i can't remember what it's called Mm -hmm. And it's not around anymore. But okay. It was very valuable. Yeah. Um, in teaching me how to do it, you know, craft a story correctly. Cause I feel like you write what you want, but like not saying there's a correct way to do it, but there is a way to do it that um is better for storytelling purposes. Um Yeah, well, this is kind of an interesting conversation too, because like it is, I mean we can sort of look at writing in a technical way. I mean, there are like, 
you can, there are good books and bad books from a technical perspective, right? From a, right. Mecha- from a mechanical perspective. I mean, apart from the storytelling part of it, right? As far as right. did, it, did it entertain me? Did I, did I feel an attachment to these characters? Did I feel like their stories were resolved in some meaningful way? But I mean, there, there is, there's still like, there's the basic tenets of, of just writing, right? Like, just like being able to, to fucking write a form a sentence or like, right, right. you know, like there's certain patterns and routines and, and rhythms that you have to find that is where, where you can look at these things from a more less subjective way. Right. Um, and these are the things that you uh, may need to learn or may not. So I don't, didn't no, I don't know. I won't speak for you, but um, this is where these things are great. Right. I think it's sort of what you're getting at. Like it's somebody's like, yeah, this like you're there, but maybe just do this or do that. Yeah. I mean, prose, I got better at through writing different manuscripts, mm-hmm. but the actual, like, well, I was never a plotter, so that never helped. Right. So I would just start writing and then like, I'd run into a dead end and I'd be like, oh, how do I get them out of this? And then I'd start writing again. Eventually I would finish, but there's something in, you know, writing something and having a payoff for it later. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, Chekhov's gun and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, just craft stuff. Yeah. I think I was behind on. Sure. Um, like I was very good at the dialogue. That was always my favorite part and the right. romance. And it was kind of like, okay, I'm just going to write the tropes that I like. There we go. Right. But it's like, you actually have to like have a story to tell, you know? (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There has to be, there has to be a point. Uh, You can't just have two people making out. You you can't have 400 pages of two people making out. I mean, you can't just have vibes. Yeah. You can't just survive on vibes, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, as of the time of this recording, so next week, uh, there's a wonderful book called Beasts of Prey coming out by, yes! Ayana, by Ayana Gray. Um, she was on the show, so that'll be that episode will be out next week. But uh, tell me how you know Ayana Gray, and then we'll, you know, we've talked about how, how I wanted to talk about sort of uh, you being going from mentee to mentor, but talk to me about how you met Ayana. So we did DV Pit together. Yep um well not together like that's where we met so you you know you write a twitter pitch and you're pitching to agents um and um she saw my pitch and i saw hers and we were like okay this is glorious um so that's how we became friends on there she she dm dived i think she's the one who jumped into my dms and was like this is amazing i'm like you're amazing so friendship started there um and that was like in October or November and then we were friends um through the months of querying and I didn't actually get my agent through DB Pit like I got a lot of requests from that but the agent I ultimately signed with wasn't from that mm. so it was definitely super helpful in that because I I did a revise and resubmit through that and everything and so definitely improved my manuscript through that but so then spring hits and summer and we both get an agent like within a week of each other, uh-huh. which was amazing. Two different agents. So magical. Um, and then we both get a book deal the next year. So I'm like, we are just query sisters here. We're going on the journey together completely. 
And now her book comes out next week. My book comes out next month. It's crazy. It's so cool. And uh, I definitely agree uh, about Ayana being amazing. She is amazing. And uh, yeah, we talked and we just had the best chat and she's pretty fucking cool. Um, and I'm in with her book and she got a trilogy. You know, how hard is it to get a trilogy these days? Oh my, oh my gosh. God. Crazy. That, oh my God. That's how good it is. And I'm telling people out there, I can't wait for it to come out next week. People are so going to be happy so, so, so proud of her. It's so cool. Her book. And there's so many great ideas in it. And I'm so happy for her. Um, did you sign a one book deal or multiple? Uh, two, two. Two books. Okay. Yeah. Are you working on the second one? Obviously I won't ask you what it's about, but. Oh you- yeah. I just turned in your vision. So that okay, was perfect. fun. Um, yeah, you know, writing on a that's the job, that's the job, right? Right, right. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but Um, writing on a deadline is very different than like writing and then querying and like, oh, I took a year to write this, hey, and now you you don't have a year. And of course, they always schedule the release of one book with a deadline for your next one, so you're always going to be juggling, you know, those two things now for the rest of your author life if you plan on if you keep on turning a book out a year so (laughs) Uh, yes i would like to well sure that sounds exciting to me doesn't it though yeah (laughs) um but that's really cool yeah it'll it'll be really fun um sort of uh you know down the road and i mean years you know you can see you and ayana can sort of uh, have this cool little sort of parallel careers going and talk about it years down the road and uh, you know that's really cool i love that i really love talk so you've been a mentor now or are going to be a mentor and i just fucking love so much this pay it forward thing especially within the marginalized communities right um who just are there to help each other it's so important and it's so amazing and it's so amazing and i love and you do it just to do it right not because you're getting anything from it you're doing it because it's the right thing to do and i fucking love that i'm so attracted to that so attracted to people who do that and so just talk about sort of that now being on the other side of the table, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things you're not told. Mm-hmm. You're That's querying right. That's right. That you kind of have to learn the hard way a lot of the times, unless you have some friend who was maybe published before you and they can kind of give you the heads up. Um, but yeah, I mean, how do you know this stuff unless you go through it? That's right. So it's nice to be able to, let someone know early, hey, this is going to be this way. Agents are looking for this sort of thing. Um, helping people clean up their manuscripts because I'm not judgy, but I'm super like, I like to analyze. Like every show I watch, I end up analyzing uh-huh. and I enjoy it. But I'm like, would I have enjoyed this more if I wasn't so critical of it? Maybe. Right. <laughs> right yeah it happens all the time I mean, i'm like that with music right and like and oh yes because i've been in studios and on the recording side and and it been an, uh, an engineer and and so you just like you just hear something a little maybe it's out of tune or a little a frequency that maybe is a little too high or you know it's like you just uh, you kinda, yeah, it's hard yeah. i know it's hard oh my I know. gosh with music yeah. for sure i do that. well i've i've seen her or heard authors say this like they have a real-time reading books because of that because they get too, I, I don't judgmental for lack of a better word, um, cr- critical maybe. Uh, so and that can take the enjoyment right out of it, obviously. Yeah, a little bit. So, um, but you know, I try to. I'm going to try to harness it into something good, like to help people 
with their book versus me just, you know, being judgy. Even though no, no, that, no, yeah, no. I don't mean to make it sound that's what DD Pitts. It's not. These aren't like that, and that's why I love them because it's it's really more about helping people navigate, like you said, the 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 waters, the fucking dark waters of publishing. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's not just about like making your story better, which of course that's a big part of it, but it's also about the things you said again with Ayana and one thing she does and it was on her website and I gave her huge credit for it. Cause I don't hear anyone talking about this. It's a, cause it's a little thing. It's something we don't think about, but she has a thing about links to um, like a health, like a well-being thing and you're a physical therapist. So that's, this is perfect. Actually posture uh, typing. No, you're, no, I'm slouching right now. I know, but like, <laughs> it's like ergonomical injuries are like 80% of all the injuries, right. In the U S like, and, and now you're going from, writing your story on a laptop crouched over in your bed to you're going to be at a desk now eight hours a day, not just writing, but emailing. Right. Right. Uh, oh course, my gosh. So right, many emails. Right. So you're at a desk now way more than you're not. And little things like that, making sure your, your desk is set up properly, right. Or p- proper posture that at the right height for your arm, making sure your wrists are in the correct position. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it now, you're and if, as a violinist too, like, uh, if you if your wrists go, you're fucked. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, kind, yeah. Or your back, or your back, even too, right? Like, I mean, violin. Talk. Tell me about that. Like, posture is very important. Um, oh, super important. Yeah. So she. Um, you know, that that was a good thing. And I said to her, like, good for you. And because I, I don't hear anyone talking about that, and it is crucial. <laughs> Ayana is just on another level. She. Is I know. Like I know. We know. This isn't her human, show. This is your like... show. But. <laughs> Um, but you, but as a violinist, as a physical therapist, as a, as an author now, um, like, I mean, these are, these are your golden tickets, right? Your wrists and your, your, you know, your back and your posture is so important. And I I just, so this all ties into like just different ways that you can help the next generation of people, right. To remind them of things like that, to help them navigate publishing, which is fucking brutal, especially on marginalized people. Um, it's still not anywhere near where we need it to be. Oh yeah, no. Um, not so, close. right, and these are the things that people need to be aware of, and that's to your point. That's what you get to do. That I, that must feel good. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, to relate it to music, I used to teach violin lessons mm-hmm. before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and every kid I teach would have like what we call pancake hands. So it's like you're serving, you're holding a serving tray, so like your wrist is bent. Right. And you're you're supposed to have your wrist straight. Um, in that way, that's why my wrist is fine from playing violin because it's always like in the proper neutral position versus being bent all over the place. Right. But I feel like. Just proper technique, right? Like proper, like just learning, learning all these sort of little things that can, will help people in the long run, especially if, if you plan on hoping and having a long career, I mean, um, think about it this way. If you were at any big company, you would have like a professional assessment done at your workspace. Right. Right. An ergonomical assessment. Right. So I'm sure there's, I don't know this. There's probably ways that you can just pay for it privately, like have someone come to your house and do it. I'm sure there is, but that's probably really expensive. And people don't, I think people realize this more now than they did before, but authors don't get nearly as much money as they should. And especially uh, BIPOC authors don't get nearly Mm -hmm. as much money as they should. Um, so that's, that's an expense that maybe you don't want to have. So having people like you out there to tell them things about again, posture, but just like 
tips on querying and, and, you know, just, and, and again, of course, story mechanics and all these important things and how to write a tight story, all important. It's all important. And like I said, I'm, I'm so stoked by people that do that, uh, that pay it forward. And I'm always, and it just, it's so, the reason I think I'm so excited about it too, is because this is a new invention. We wouldn't have been able to, this is an internet invention, isn't oh, it? Yes, like, like a, and, sure. and, and actually even not internet, but more of a social media thing, isn't it? Because you couldn't, this wouldn't exist 20 years ago. Oh yeah. And it totally didn't even 10 years ago. It right. was not what it is now. Right. And I failed so many times and now I get to pass that knowledge on. It's, I mean, it's cool. And unfortunate in a way, I had to learn the hard way. But somebody nice else, listen, there's a cost to everything. That's <laughs> true. It's true. Um, Lots of embarrassment on oh, my part. But yeah, well, what, you know, listen, down the road again, when you're like a massive, massive uh, author, huge author, it will get to, that's when you get to go back and dig out like your early queries and your early manuscripts. And we can all, we can all have a good laugh at them. But uh, oh, Lord. No, no. Hang on no. to those good, no, hang on to those because <laughs> there's good ideas in there. I guarantee it. Um, Oh yeah, I steal ideas from my old ones all oh, the time. Oh yeah, of course you have to, sure. right? And that's come up a lot too with authors, and they always say that too. They're like, they're like debut authors, do not throw out your old stories, keep them. Oh, um, don't, yeah, don't. Like you said, at least for data mining, right? Right. Um, but yeah, sorry to wrap that up. I know early on you had said um, how much you enjoy helping people, and and that was even just in the physical therapy realm. So, um, you know, here you are able to do that in your 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 true passion of writing it's yes, uh it's yes. it's amazing i'm very i think it's fucking very cool like i said i'm very attracted to people that do that i think it's super rad oh, thanks um all right within these wicked walls uh, what the heart desires the house destroys that's a cool line oh my uh, gosh i love it yeah andromeda is a De- debtera an exorcist hired to cleanse households of the evil eye when a handsome young heir named magnus rochester reaches out to hire her andromeda quickly realizes this is a job like no other with horrifying manifestations at every turn and that magnus is hiding far more than she has been trained for Death is the most likely outcome if she stays, but leaving Magnus to live out his curse alone isn't an option. Evil may roam the castle's halls, but so does a burning desire. It sounds like a uh, a sea shanty or something in a way, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, So first things first, uh, because I'm holding the book in my hands, this fucking sweet ass cover by um, um, Palesa. How much is it? Palesa? Palesa? I think so. Palesa Monarang? Yes. Apologies. to the uh, illustrator i'm butchering your name i'm sure but um this cover is incredible you must have been so is stoked it? you must have been so stoked was this uh how many different covers did they send you was it just was this the only one or was there a few options um this was it okay cool this was it and i was like i nearly fainted i was floored yeah it's funny to me because now this is mostly internal in the book. Andromeda doesn't think very much of herself, but I'm looking at her and she's fucking beautiful. Um, I know, I know. So it's I'm like, like eh, okay, whatever. Yeah, you can get any guy you want. <laughs> 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 Stop it. Um, but I listen. I'm old enough to know that what to pe- how people see us and how we see ourselves is vastly different. But um, very different, yeah. Um, but. Um, she is beautiful on this cover and I love the overlay with the title and the, the wallpaper and it, yes, 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 uh, yes. Yeah. I'm, cover amazing. designer is brilliant. Yeah. 
um really great package from start to finish i love the uh, font the lettering too it's very like i don't like what, what they call that font it's like baroquean or something right but uh gothic <laughs> sure. but uh really just a really cool like i said i'm a big cover to cover person it's a really nice package um and as a debut author like it's the first time you get to see your shit like this right your name on the oh my front gosh, just having your yes. name on the front right i mean how cool yes. is that? oh my god ah, <laughs> i was like my first cover ever yeah. and it yeah. gets to be this awesome yeah i mean yeah that's amazing um so this is god this genre is so hard to talk about without spoilers um but we'll do our best but i guess let's start with because this is sort of you know the big sort of advertising this is the it's in all the promotional language this jane Eyre connection right so yes um let's talk about sort of where that sort of the concept and um it's been a while since i've read um it, certainly any Bronte novels, but Jane Eyre has been a really long time and it didn't jump out to me. And I think people are going to maybe get confused. The reason I'm like, I don't necessarily, it's not, cause it's not a retelling. Of course it's not a retelling. It's inspired by, is that the way you would describe it? Or talk to me about it. Talk to me about sort of like where this thing came from. Yeah. I kind of uh, try to preface it now by if Jane Eyre is like your favorite book on the planet. Yep. Don't go into within these wicked walls and right. be like, comparing it beat for beat that's right uh because have you seen clueless yeah so, so that's an emma retelling right that's right and yep so if you're looking to watch emma you're not going to watch clueless it's right a totally different vibe so that's kind of how i reference it it's it's the same but different there's a yeah like there's a couple names that should be familiar to you um one for sure uh and this, you know, of course, the young heroine thing, but I mean, Jane Eyre doesn't own that. Um, and this whole idea of a claustro claustrophobic mansion sort of trope too. But, right. I, but I mean, like that's, yeah, I mean, I, there's probably more stuff in the book that I, that I missed for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all. I just want to make sure people like, yeah, to your point, don't go into this thing, you know, looking for a word for word retelling. And then because, because if you do, you're going to walk away disappointed and you know what, fuck you, that's your own fault for... <laughs> For going well, are you going in like you're not even giving the book a chance at that point, right? Right. So right. give it a chance, guys. Give it a chance, please. <laughs> um, so yeah, tell. Okay, so talk to me then. Like, what came first, like Jane Eyre, Jane Eyre, or this, like, or within these wicked walls, like the the beats of it? So I I am not sure which came first, mm -hmm. but they used together so well that I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. So like I was watching Jane Eyre and I was like thinking, why isn't this castle haunted? Why isn't this house haunted? Right. It should be. A totally separate thought was I like folklore and mythology and stuff like that. So sometimes I go on like a little research binge on Google. So I found a scholarly article about the evil eye in Ethiopia. And then I don't know which one came first, but they definitely clicked. Right. It was, um, they were close enough together that it doesn't almost probably doesn't even matter, but right. Um, you just thought this would like it, whether, whether you thought, Hey, this would make a really cool Jane Eyre thing or Jane Eyre would make a really cool, this thing. It, that doesn't really matter so much, but right. Um, it sounds like though you weren't like, you know, beholden to that source material though. Um, I mean, I think Jane Eyre was more about the romantic tropes. Yep. 
than yep. anything. Yeah. Which you've got a few. You've got a few good ones too. <laughs> I love the tropes. <laughs> oh my some gosh. Good ones. Um, there is so yeah, trope. This book is is got it, it uh there's a lot of tropes in this book, but good I mean, people use trope like it's a bad word. It's not a bad I'm word. I'm a big believer in tropes. Well, okay. tropes are just storytelling. So yeah, it beats it. We should maybe just start calling it something else because people like I don't know, people get like use that in negative, but it's not negative. I know people um, act like tropes aren't in everything that's good reads crowd <laughs> um so you do so this is this is this is a i mean this is a horror novel that's what right i mean it is that's the way i look at it as scary as i can get it <laughs> so talk about some of the cool sort of horror you know bits and bits and pieces that you wanted to you know because you've got some really some great ones right claustrophobia is a fucking great one i mean that goes all the way back blood on the walls like staircases that are doing weird shit like what was sort of some of the ideas you thought when you sat when you're really hammering this thing out well um i mean i was like what would i find scary if i walked in first of all i wouldn't walk into a house like that no but... neither would i neither would i yeah, yeah. <laughs> never yeah yeah if i did what would i find scary in there? Right. and i'm like spiders definitely for sure yeah um psychological angst yeah there's a little bit of that. Um, rats. Yes. Fan. Yeah. How are you with hyenas? You scared of hyenas? <laughs> I, oh, I've never met one. So, you know, um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So this is, yeah, this has all just like the really great haunted house stuff. And you're right. It's like, but I mean, this is, I've talked about this with somebody recently who had their, their book was sort of a thriller horror thing. And I'm like, if horror completely relies on, people characters making the wrong decisions right right that's just that's what it is because if they didn't there wouldn't be the book there wouldn't be a story to tell so um this is this whole thing relies on that but it's not as simple as that because there are bigger forces at work here so talk about sort of this is a two-parter i guess talk about the magic in your book this evil eye as it relates to maybe to more to your story and talk about like what the hell's a deptera Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, so the evil eye is sort of, uh, I think I explained it. It's like a manifestation of sin. Right. So like greed, lust, it sort of latches on to people uh-huh. in that way um, in order to find what it's looking for. Um, so the Deptra is there to make some a- amulets to ward the evil eye off uh-huh. um they're kind of i think they even say this in the book it, they're sort of exorcists right yeah yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. is the simplest way to explain it yeah right um but you do it through like a silver amulet uh-huh. wrapped with string and the particular design is um specific to the manifestation you're trying to get rid of it's yeah what's really cool about this idea these amulets are very important in this story but it's also very important part of being a deptera part of being these exorcists is you have to be able to make these things um well make them at all <laughs> period right, yeah, right but 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 sometimes make them very quickly <laughs> yes a, lo- a lot of this is like you know we got to get this thing made really quickly like shit the walls are bleeding as we speak 
you know, let's get this thing going. I thought that was really cool. That side of being a Deptera, how you describe how they have to work with, they almost have to be like a metallurgist in a way they're, they're alchemists essentially, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So even though this is all like very religious based, the good, the bad part of it, the evil eye and, and very much Deptera's is rooted in religion. They're very mm-hmm. religious. They're very devout people, but they have this, this, they employ this science, um, to the amulet side of it, which I thought was really fucking cool. I took a little creative license in how the amulets are constructed. Yep. Um, but I was like, I want to make it a process that I can actually show in the book, you know? That's right. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that was really cool. Uh, I'm always a fan of Thank sort you. of, I'm always a fan of like old world meets new world type of, type of, type of situations. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where they're sort of just like, like they're just like ramming into each other. And I love people that usher in those new, these ideas and, and you know, people like Andromeda are very much like that. I mean, very devout for sure, but also this, you have to have a basic understanding of, like I said, metallurgy and stuff like this. And that would be, you know, uh, it could get you burnt on the stake in some places at certain parts, right? True, and, you know, true. in some parts of the world at certain times. So um, one of these things too, so Andromeda, wonderful lead character. One of the things that comes up a lot in this book is classism, right? There's a ton of classism mm. in this book and, and she's not wealthy um, and neither are most people in this book, except for, you know, Magnus and his, his chocolate <laughs> kingdom. But um, <laughs> um Talk about sort of, did you have, was, was there something to say there or you just wanted to simply use that as a mechanism to like always make sure that Andromeda is always, you know, kept to that. She's kept quote unquote, right? Um, kept. I mean, like she's they were always reminding her, maybe not Magnus, but even him sometimes more passive aggressively, but reminding her of that. She doesn't, she's poor. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, she definitely has to fight for what she wants. Yeah. And she's only here. Like she would leave if it wasn't for the money. You That's know? right. That's right. Um, what did you call it? You, what do you call it in the book? Um, uh, like patronage. That yeah, the long term uh, position there. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, because she doesn't have a license, so she that, has no right. way of that's right. getting jobs without this. So. That, that's a really cool aspect of this too, that yeah, there are licensed Depteras, licensed exorcists. Um, and it makes total sense, right? Because it just like you would in our minds, somebody who's licensed in anything in our minds lends them just that extra bit of credibility, doesn't it? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But it's like going to school for computer science or learning on your own computer science and right. you could be just as good as each other, That's right. but one person has the degree, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, this, uh, so she's coming in unlicensed. Now she has a, a past, which we won't talk about. It's too spoilery, um, <laughs> but you know, it looks like, you know, she has a pretty good resume nonetheless. Um, so there seem to be willing to take a chance on her we find out because they've gone through so many other <laughs> death terrors. Oh yeah. You know, they're desperate first, at this point. They're, they're <laughs> kind of desperate. So, but there is another sort of, there are other reasons, but, um, and so she meets, you have, a, this cast is really great. I think you have a top to oh, bottom, really, you. really great cast. And this was, I talked about this. I remember with like, um, 
might have been Blood Like Magic, Lizelle Sambury. Whenever, when the whole story, it's it's almost like Knives Out in a way. When the whole story takes place inside of a house, mm-hmm. you can't you can't hide characters, right? right. You're conf- you have to you have to deal with them because you are going to deal with them because they're all fucking living in a house. So right. you can't you can't like just have somebody hiding in the corner and not. You have to develop each character more so than maybe you would if they were out in the woods or out and about or just in, in a city more. Um, so I think you did a really great job with that, letting us oh, sort of give, you. yeah, letting us know who each person is and what they bring to this story. Um, of course, you know, besides Andromeda, you've got Magnus, who um, <laughs> it's it's kind of just a he's just kind of a weirdo isn't he like, yeah, yeah right like it's, it's, I call I'm trying, it eccentric I'm, I'm to, right I'm trying to sound smart but he's just a fucking weirdo he's a weird um, kid and you know he, he's one of these people that for me anyways this is my experience didn't like him at first he grows on he grew on me over time um part of that is okay there's this sort of like insta love thing happening with with Adrabana and him um I won't say whether they end it ends up in a, into a relationship or not but there's definitely like, you know, two good looking people around the same age, sort of there's a, you have this whole forced, forced proximity thing going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but also this weird, it's not weird, I guess, but uh, employee employer relationship too. Right. 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 So they're not on even level. They're not on the same level in any way. They're just not. Um, so a lot of that is, so if you have these two, you know, different, you know, you can't see me. I'm holding my hands up one above the other, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and what you do really well, I thought was really smart as the story moves along those two, that gap between them gets smaller and smaller. Oh yeah. And the roles reverse. And I won't say how or why or when, but it, it does sort of happen where she becomes, she gets the upper hand only in their relationship. And, and, and I, I mean, relationship in the general sense. Mm-hmm. But there is sort of this insta love thing going on, and you know, I'm I'm sure, and I don't know this because I haven't read anything, but I'm sure some people will get eh, insta love. Um, but I always look at things in context, especially with insta love. And if you look at Andromeda, and you'll learn this when you read the book, here's someone who's never had any love in her life that she knew of. Um, not to mention she's been specifically told to avoid. <laughs> such things right (laughs) as a devout person would be um so and she's been on her own surviving on her own um the only men in her life have been typically abusive um not great role models right um so of course the first person that shows the slightest bit of interest in her she's probably gonna have some feelings towards i'm okay with that are you okay with I that? I am too. I'm, I'm not sure why people aren't. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like I'm totally okay with it and I'm fine with it. It's in context. Are there books where there's insta love where it doesn't make any sense? Sure. Um, <laughs> right. Of course. There's a lot of books, right? So, but um, I, I, I'm, I think you did a great job in this one because you, you get to, you know, you, we meet her, you get, you, we get to know her first. And then once you understand that, and there's an, even some stuff you learn further down the road. You're like, yeah, okay, of course. It's like, you know, if you haven't had, if you're starving, someone, what is it that Eddie Murphy joke? If you're starving and someone gives you a cracker, <laughs> you'd be like, that's the best goddamn cracker I've ever had. You know what I mean? like, it's, I, I don't know. I, so talk about sort of like how you approached this, the romance 
part of this book because it is in it is part of it and but you it's surrounded by all this crazy dark shit too i mean yeah well speaking of that um they do need each other in a way that nobody else can fill that space yeah and so that kind of contributes to it as well because Mm -hmm. not to yeah without saying any spoilers yeah they definitely need each other in a way they can only do you know Mm -hmm. um but they're also passionate kids i mean oh my gosh magnus is he's a piece of work sometimes he's got passion for sure he's very yeah he is passionate (laughs) um and this is the thing too you said they're kids they're kids they are yeah and i feel like people forget that that what it was like to be young fall in love quickly like it's a romeo and juliet sort of thing that's right you fall in love quickly maybe it doesn't completely make sense because you don't know each other that well Hmm. um but in the understanding of someone who's young and feeling things strongly, it makes perfect sense. I think so. And I really like this part about, too, we mentioned it earlier, you know, how she's not particularly, she doesn't have a lot of self-confidence. Um, in her in her profession, yes, right? She's a very confident Deptera. Oh, yeah. That's but but when it comes all. to, like, yeah, looking at herself in the mirror, forget it. Definitely. So talk about sort of... I mean, I don't know if he, this is sort of in the same neck of the woods. It, it, how long, what came first, the story or Andromeda? And if, if it was the story first, at what point did Andromeda start to like really take shape? Um, I mean, well, you know, Jane Eyre is always said to be plain looking Yeah. in the classic novel. Right. So it's like, I don't want to make her too pretty. And really, I, I feel like, romance works so well when it's not about the looks of course yeah yeah, yeah. i mean well, i love if it's gonna too. if it's gonna last yeah right yeah um and so instead of uh, she might she might be pretty but it's in her head and so this scar is what makes her not pretty that's right um I mean, I disagree, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to love a good star. Come on. In universe. But yeah, I know you're, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that's, this is all, she's very much, yeah, like she's always conscious of it. Um, she's very conscious of her, her, just her, her makeup. Like, I don't mean on her face, I mean like her head to toe, like what she's, like she's not wearing the nicest clothes or, right. Cause she doesn't have any money. Right. So, um, yeah. And she's, she's thrust into a world where, um, it, we'll call it high society, but um, she's, you know, where, where people have things, let's say. And uh, so she ends up like projecting all this on her more than actually the people are. There's some people that are super snooty and snotty. One of them is actually my favorite character in the book. Um, is it Kalila? Kalila? Uh, Kalila. Yeah. Oh, I love Kalila. <laughs> it was so much fun to write. Oh, she's fantastic. <laughs> and her arc is incredible. Um, so great. I just, I love chaos and disruptors and, and, and uh, she is that um, she's fantastic. Um, this is a top to bottom, great cast for sure. Um, yeah. We can't, talk, we can't talk about the ending, but did you just to answer me sort of more of the process part of it? Are you one of these authors that wrote from the end and worked yourself backwards or did the, did the ending sort of find itself naturally as you were going along? Like what was. Um, I mean, 
no. Okay. So the original ending, I, I kind of not outlined, but I have bullet points for the main plot events that need to happen. And then just finding my way to them in between is, you know, definitely just pantsing mm-hmm. and figuring it out. But the ending that's in the book is not the original ending. Okay. So that came after a revision. And um, basically, one of the characters um, was not in there as much as they are now. Okay. And I fell in love with the character. And I'm like, okay, we're putting this person in there more. So that's how that happened so it was your it was your idea it wasn't an editor's note or anything like that oh nope it was my idea cool right on so that's it that's cool so as you wrote you sort of like got to know this character even though you invented yes. them you got to know this character even more and then God, what was that i've heard stuff like that in like tv series like characters side characters who started they were only supposed to be in one or two episodes but just sort of won everybody over oh yeah it ended up being yeah it ended up being just and ended up being full-time um so that happened here. That's that's really cool. I love that because I just, you know, shows me, you know, how much you care for your characters, right? So that's really cool. And yeah, that's true. You get to know the characters and you're yeah, like, then right. you, they sort of decide what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's what was happening with these characters. And I'm like, okay, yep, we're going to go with what you chose to do. So let's write it. That's right. Now, I've heard, I've heard so many authors also say, too, that makes it hard to kill characters off sometimes. Oh, not for e- me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are some obvious, you know, evil bastards that need to go. But, you know, maybe if you're playing in sort of like morally gray waters, it can, and, you know, listen, be, I don't know if I'm, I'm a bit of a consequentialist in the sense that, you know, I don't know if actions are good or bad until I know the outcome, right? Um, it's the whole stealing bread to feed your family thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's tricky when you get into sort of like anti-heroes and anti-heroines and gray characters, but yeah, right. no, some people just need to go. There's no doubt about it. But uh, um, Lauren, one of the things people ask, like I, people are on my, if you're on my show, it's because I liked your book, at least liked your book. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I don't, I don't, it's my show. I get to talk to whoever I want. So <laughs> I don't, uh, and I only talk to people. I, I two things. I have to have read your book and I have to have at least liked it. And that can range from like to obsess. Right. Okay. So um, I fucking love this book. I read Yay. it. Start, I read it in one sitting. Um, oh wow! I wasn't expecting. It's short. I wasn't expecting. Yeah, it's not that long. What do we? What's the arc here? Maybe you can just tell me before I waste time. I like short books. Yeah, it's three hundred and twenty. That's acknowledgments too. Three hundred and twenty some odd pages. Yeah, um, something. Um, I like short chapters. I like. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. No, I. I uh, I really enjoyed it. And, and it surprised me a little bit only in the sense that I'm, I'm not admittedly a huge thriller person. Like I don't read a ton of thrillers. I, uh, I mostly like just, I don't know, happy, happy shit because I'm so fucking depressed the rest, of, <laughs> the rest of my life, you know, cause everything that goes on in the world that it's like, you know, I'm sort of like, I need an escape. I need to pick me up sometimes, but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, but, um, a good story is a good story. And this is a really fucking good story. And oh, thank you. Yeah. I know people are going to be super stoked by it. So, um, what do you got going on launch day? Do you know um, that? Oh, well, I'm doing a, an Instagram live with um, one of my friends who is also an editor sister. So her book is coming out with Wednesday as well okay. this year. Yep. Um, Who's that? I, um, Emily Feed and her okay. book, um, This Vicious Grace, yep. comes out next June. 
Yep. So she's going to she's going to uh, launch with you. That's cool. Oh yes, and we're also Pitch Wars um, co-mentor, so we're mentoring together. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Very cool. I needed a co-mentor because my book comes out like right in the middle of reading submissions. Oh, I'm I like, see. right. I need help. <laughs> I'm I'm busy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So that's that'll be on Instagram launch day. Um. Any. God, I, I am so people that do in-person events, I'm so scared for them. I assume you don't have any in-person. Oh, events. no, no, no. no, no I'm yeah, not yeah. doing any in-person, but I do have a um, virtual chat with um, an indie bookstore the next day. Okay. My local indie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have that on Twitter and my website. And okay. I'm also going to be doing a chat with um, Jordan Ifuego, one of my dear friends, and I love her book Ray Bearer. So that's all going to be happening that week. Um, Ray Bearer and Redemptor is quite a series. And uh, yes. speaking of like anti-hero type people, uh, the lady from Ray Bearer uh, was, yeah. was my favorite character in all <laughs> in, in all of publishing last year. Of all the books. Oh my I, god! And I read, you know, 250 some odd books a year. The lady was my favorite character in well, all of Jordan knows year. what she's doing. She does. She does. And I'm, um, yeah, I, it's Ray Bear Rabbit Enter. Both, both, both excellent books for sure. Um, I'm just so happy to be friends with such talented people. It's you're like so, so, so humbling. I'm so jealous too. There's like, like Christina Hammond's read and, and, you know, there's all these wonderful authors and there's like this magical beach in LA where everyone hangs out. <laughs> like, in the, <laughs> right. It'll be, and I've seen like Jordan there and, and uh, who else? Like Namanan and uh, like Karen Strong and all like all these, you know, all hang out together in this like this fucking magical beach, which exists somewhere. Well, and I'm I like, I didn't get that. I, yeah, well, you will now. You will. You will. And uh, I'm just like, where is this magical place? Can I just like uh, if I was just walking along and I just saw like, oh, there's just five of my favorite authors hanging out. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. No big deal. Right. So <laughs> anyways, I'm, it's so I love it. Yeah. I'm, I, it's such a great, strong community. And um, it's only getting better with with yourself and Ayana now and, and everybody else. So. Very, very cool. I'm so happy. Um, can't wait. Uh, so I've just got the arc right now. I don't even I'll have to get the final copy, but can't wait to put it on my Oh, page. they're being, they are printed right now. So oh, like, I know. Yeah, I can't, can't wait to throw it on my bookshelf for sure. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'll bet. So um, listen, Lauren, uh, I am now a fan of not only the book, but you as well. You seem pretty fucking oh, cool. You seem pretty cool. You. you seem pretty cool to me. So that will, uh, I'll be cheering for you. So have a really great launch. I know you won't get any sleep the night before, so I won't even ask. Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> Um, this will obviously come out the day before, I think. So I'll tag you. You'll know when it comes out. But yeah, have a great, 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 great launch. I'm so happy awesome. for you. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. There you have it. Another episode of Everything is Canon all wrapped up. Huge thanks to Lauren for taking the time to chat with me. She's great. The book is great. And it's the perfect amount of scary for this time of year. Within These Wicked Walls is out now. So pick up a copy wherever you buy your books and head on over to laurenblackwood.com for more information. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen and head on over to Settlings.com for the latest movie, TV, books, and gaming news. Please continue to be safe out there. Bye for now.